Hey, it's Cody Woodard, pastor of Renovation Church in Gallatin, Tennessee. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast today. I hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. Here's the deal. Um, today is Baptism Sunday, and I'm fired up. Uh, we have baptized some people all day today, and today may be your day, and uh, we are um, excited about it. Can I go to the Word? Can we, can we do that really quick? If you have your Bibles, you can open them. If you got your lighted Bibles like I do today, um, you can open those up. But I, I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 3 today and Matthew chapter 4, because there's something you need to understand that when the Bible was written, when the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew was recorded, there was no such things as, as titles and chapters and verses, right? It was to be read together. And so Matthew chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 4 are connected. There is a connection between the water and the wilderness. And so Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 13, I'm reading from the NIV. Here's what it says. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. That's key. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I loved. With him, I am well pleased. Then, somebody say then. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I bet he was. I can barely make it a couple hours without some food. Says he was hungry. And then the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. How many of you know that's true? Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Let me pause. Isn't it interesting that the devil is quoting scripture to Jesus? Did you catch that? He says, for it is written, the devil is quoting scripture to Jesus. So let me just say this before I keep going. Um, How you approach and how you apply the word of God is important. Because what the enemy will do, and oftentimes what we do, is we'll try to fit the word of God to fit our lives rather than fitting our lives to the word of God. And so how you apply and how you approach scripture is key because the enemy's saying, listen, doesn't the scripture say? And I just, I love it because it's like, boy, you're trying to use the word of God against the word who's, come on. He spoke it. So then Jesus answered him and it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test again. The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended to him. See, there's a connection between the water in the wilderness. And so in this third installment of our I Declare War series, I want to talk to you today about I Declare War in the Wilderness. Declaring war in the wilderness. Can I pray for you? Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness when we're faithless. God, we thank you 
for the life change that's happened. God, for the life change that can only happen through you. And so, God, we don't take this for granted. God, we know that we're a part of something greater. This is bigger than us. This is bigger than one church. God, that you are, the revival is happening all around this city. And so we don't take it for granted. God, when people come to know you for the first time, we don't take it for granted when they come back to you and they repent from their sin. God, we don't take it for granted people go public with their faith in baptism and so God today I just pray you would get us out of the way God stand in my body speak through my mouth the things you would have us say and do to proclaim this word of truth with love and with grace and with mercy and with boldness and with humility and do the surgery in our heart that only you can do in Jesus name and everyone said amen hey high five somebody give them a hug handshake kiss whatever you got to do So glad y'all still laugh at that every week. Come on. The second service, man, they don't laugh at my preacher jokes no more. This is the rowdy service, ain't it? Y'all the rowdy service? I ain't gonna lie. Don't tell the other people that go to the other services, but this is my favorite. I told Jess before I come up here, I was like, I just love the people in this room. I love everybody, don't get me wrong. But like, if I had a favorite, I don't, okay? But if I did, hypothetically, you would be my favorite. Um, Well, hey, if I haven't got a chance to meet you yet, my name's Cody Woodard. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, it's an honor and privilege that you would spend an hour or so of your time on a Sunday morning um, celebrating baptisms. Anybody excited about baptisms? Come on. I wanted to start out today, and really, I've only shared one story at the beginning of my message, but I really want to share two. And the first one is about a little girl um, who's amazing. Um, She's an 11-year-old. She's here in this service right now. Her name is Layla. Will y'all give it up for Layla? And I wanted to just tell you a little bit because, you know, I think sometimes we can feel like um, the Word of God um, is hard to understand. And one of the beautiful things about this is if you look around the room, the majority of you are my age, maybe a little younger. Some of you are a lot, a lot older. No, I'm kidding. Um, But, you know, what I love so much about the Word is that um, the Word of God, that, that Jesus Christ has the power to change lives. And uh, last week and, and every week, I, I give people the opportunity to accept him and to surrender their life to him for the first time. And last week, um, as I was teaching you and, and, and preaching about declaring war on comparison, as I look over, I see Layla, an 11-year-old, crying and convicted and broken over her sin. And uh, at the end of that service, she surrendered her life to Jesus. And uh, it's an honor and a privilege to get to baptize you today. You know, let's give it up for Layla. I got to tell you one more story, one more story of life change, because I'm telling you, we're a part of something special that's so much bigger than anything here. You know, a couple weeks back, um, we, we leveraged um, Halloween, uh, which is what the devil wants to use, but for us, we used it for the good. And uh, we had a trunk or treat uh, opportunity outside where so many of you brought your cars and parked, and those people that came by all night long, I mean, probably close to a thousand people showed up, and uh, today, or I'm sorry, today... One of the people who came actually showed up, but she sent us a message on Friday, Friday night, and uh, sent this long email, and she had never been to our church, never come on a Sunday morning, talked to us uh, as she was at Trunk or Treat with her kids, went online and watched a message I gave months ago in Atlanta talking about carrying your mat and how Jesus sees you on the mat and loves you on the mat, but will loves you way too much to keep you there, and he actually wants to heal you, that he wants to forgive you and set you free, and um, and she watched that message online and gave her life to Christ. And, uh, and today she showed up for the very first time and got baptized. Come on. Is that not incredible? Listen, I don't say that to point you to me. I promise you there, there's a huge difference. You need to understand there's, a such a there's such a huge gap 
between who God is and what he knows and who I am and what I can say. But my, my promise to you is that I will always um, divide the word of God to the best that I can and that I'm going to listen to him. And so tonight, or today, I'm sorry, um, as I talk to you, I'm not up here as somebody who thinks I'm better than you. I'm not here as somebody who's got his stuff together all the time, who doesn't struggle, who doesn't feel lonely, who, who, who doesn't fight off sin every single day. Um, but God has called me to this, and I have a fire in my belly to make sure that this city knows who Jesus is and that you know who Jesus is. And so if there's moments today where you feel this tug or maybe you feel like I've been reading your mail, I promise you I'm not creeping on your mailbox, all right? It's, it's, I believe that it is God speaking through a broken man to get something to you. And so um, I, I'm excited about the word. And, and really, I want to talk to you today about declaring war in the wilderness. And, and really, this idea of baptism, this idea of baptism isn't man's idea, by the way. Um, baptism isn't the church's idea. Baptism isn't about membership. Baptism is God's idea. That um, baptism started with God, and there's a purpose to it. And so I want to take you on a little bit of a journey and take you back to the whole book of Leviticus. I'm just going to spend the whole time reading Leviticus. Isn't that great? No. Uh, you would probably be like, I'm out. I'm leaving. Um, but I encourage you, read the book of Leviticus. Just be ready, okay? But I want to read to you from Leviticus chapter 16 today and really kind of take you back to this moment where we really first see baptism, this picture of baptism. And it's when God gives Aaron this word to, to, and command to, to get baptized in Leviticus chapter 16. He says this. He says, This is how Aaron is to enter the most holy place. He must first bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He is to put on the sacred linen tunic with linen undergarments next to his body. He is to tie the linen sash around him and put on the linen turban. These are sacred garments. So he must bathe himself with water before he puts them on. He must bathe himself with water before he puts them on. Everyone say bathe. Yourself. Turn to the person next to you and say take a bath. Come on. All right. Um, but really this idea... This idea of baptism, this is where it all began with the word bapto, which bapto, if you're taking notes and you want to write this down, it means to cleanse or it means to dip or, as you see in this passage, to wash one's self. And so let me just kind of explain and break this down for you and maybe paint a picture. I like cookies on the bottom shelf, don't you, where I can understand them. And, uh, and, and so um, here's what's kind of happened in this system. From the very beginning, when God created man, he created Adam and he created Eve, and he created them in his image with a purpose, and he places them in the garden and then gives them the choice because love without choice it makes robots, and God's not into making robots. He's into making people that worship him, and so here they are. They're in the garden in perfect unity with God, and then as you may know the story, they eat of the fruit. They dishonor God. God is holy. He's set apart. He's perfect, right, and in this moment, they decide to dishonor God to believe that there was something more out there that they needed that God was holding out on them and so they take of the fruit, and in that moment, sin entered the world. And the relationship between God and man was broken, and we were separated because of sin. And so because we are all descendants of Adam and Eve, we are born with a sinful nature. And, and, and so because of our sinful nature, we, we, we had the tendency, we will always choose sin. We have a choice, but we choose sin. And because you and I have sinned, our relationship with God has been broken. And so what you see throughout the Old Testament, what you see from that moment on is God becoming present, making himself available to people. 
And the way that he did this was that there was a temple. And inside the temple, there was this innermost circle called the Holy of Holies. It was the deepest part of the temple. And it was where God dwelled. And the other parts of this temple is you have the outer courts, which was on the outside. And then you kind of had the inner courts, which was in the middle, which is key. And so the problem was is that normal people, you and I, we would constantly find ourselves on the outer courts. And so when you would go into the inner courts, what you would see is an altar. And the purpose of the altar, as we just read, what God would have people do is that when they were to step into the middle, when they were to step into the inner court, the place where your ability ends and God's ability begins, where his presence is, it's the in-between. When they would step into the middle, there would be an altar, and on that altar, they had to take a spotless lamb, and that they had to, they had to sacrifice it on the altar to atone for their sins. So they would cut its throat, and it would bleed, and it had to atone for their sin because sin always has a penalty, and that penalty is death. And so to, to display their faith in God and to understand who God was, they realized, hey, in order to enter into his presence... I have, something's got to die. Something has to atone for my sin. So they would sacrifice the animal. Well, then to the other side of the temple, you would find in the inner courts, you would find a pool. And what you had to do with this pool is, is as it said, it said that they would have to come in and they had to wash themselves. Which is interesting because you and I, we know that that's not how it is now. And so the reason they had to wash themselves, they couldn't let anybody else touch them. Because, see, they were considered unclean. And if anybody else touched them, then the person who touched them would now be considered unclean as well. And neither could then enter into the presence. Neither one of them could then step into the Holy of Holies. So what they had to do is they would come to the pool, and they would get in the pool, and they would dip, babto, they would baptize themselves as a symbol that they have been washed. Right, that they had been cleansed, and then they were able to enter in. And so, see, this is what happens to the Old, the Old Testament. This is what happens from, from history on is that you have these people who are constantly having to find themselves sacrificing animals after animals after animals because they're broken, they're sinful, and to atone for their sin, something had to die. And then they would go in to enter the presence of God. They had to continually dip themselves. They had to continually wash themselves. But then there's a problem. And what they learned over time was this, if you want to write it down. The water doesn't work. What they realized was that the water doesn't work. See, what they knew is that they could come in the moment and they could be cleansed on the outside, but then on Monday, they realized they weren't cleansed on the inside. So the water didn't work, and that's why they had to continue to go back every single time they wanted to enter the presence, and they had to continually to dip themselves, to baptize themselves, to be cleansed, right? And, and so one of the things I love in this process, before we dive into Matthew chapter 3, is, is that there's this Greek poet named Nicander in 200 B.C., who kind of described this process from baptism, the old way, the, the way that you baptize yourself, you dip yourself in order to be made clean, and then the baptism that Jesus teaches about in Matthew chapter 3, right? Because we know that Jesus didn't get baptized because he was unclean. So why would Jesus get baptized? Well, here, here's an interesting way that Nicander was teaching this to help people understand the difference. Um, how many of you know what this is? This is a nasty cucumber. Right? 
Some of you are like, no, I love cucumbers. All right. How many of you love pickles? Come on. How many of you know that this can be transformed into a pickle? Did you know that? All right. So what he talks about in this is he talks about the process of a pickle, I mean of a cucumber, being transformed into a pickle. And in this process, the way that it has to happen is what they would do is they would get boiling water and they would take the cucumber and they would dip it. They would baptize it. They would submerge it into boiling water as a part of the process. The problem was is that as they would baptize the cucumber, nothing changed. Nothing was transformed. And so what they learned, he talks about it. He says, listen, it starts with the process is necessary that you, that you dip it into the water. But if you want to transform a cucumber to a pickle, you have to use something called vinegar. And so here's the thing. When, when, the, when the cucumber is then dipped and baptized and submerged into the vinegar over time, what happens is, is it goes from a nasty cucumber to a spirit-filled, good old-fashioned pickle. Come on, anybody love some pickles? And so it transforms from a cucumber, and now we call it a pickle. Now, here's the thing. Both of them were dipped. Both ways, dipped, baptized. Only one changed. Both submerged. Only one transformed. Do you know what another difference is? The water doesn't work. The way that transformation happens is by the solution. The way that the cucumber becomes a pickle is because it's been baptized and submerged into a different solution. That the water don't work. Some of you know this. You got kids. Put them in a bath and just let them sit in the water. They're going to get out nasty, right? You know, like you want to get your kid clean, you got to have something called soap, you got to have an external agent come in and actually clean your kid. I remember when I was 11 years old, and uh, that's when I got baptized. But I had no idea what it meant. And it blows my mind, and it's incredible that as, as 11 years old, um, you, you have the understanding, and, and you can get the fact that Jesus died on the cross for you, and that he loves you, and that you didn't have to earn it. See, when I was a kid, like at 11 years old, I had no idea what that meant. I was just sneaking out back throwing baseball with my boy, you know? And I remember this pastor, he was like, hey, if you don't want to die and go to hell, you're going to get baptized. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm getting baptized then. And then I was taught something in that moment that I bet some of you were taught too. I remember them telling me that when I go and get baptized and I am lifted up out of that water, that I'll be changed forever. That something's going to happen and I'll be different. But you know what I realized? The water didn't work because I got dipped but I wasn't different. Like the next morning I woke up, I was the same Cody. I was the same kid who didn't want to do nothing, have nothing to do with church, nothing to do with God. I would still sneak out back every single week. I had, but here's what I was taught. I was taught that because I had been baptized, because I had been dipped in the water, now I can live my life and do whatever I want. That I kind of got this free card to just kind of sin. And, and, and because I got dipped in the water, now that means I'm automatically changed and, and, and I'm good. And so now I can just live however I want and do whatever I want and I'm good. The problem is, though, is that the water don't work. That you got to have a solution. And Jesus Christ is the solution. See, in Matthew chapter 3. When he comes up to John and John says, I should, be, I should be the one getting baptized. 
why, why would I baptize you? See, in John's mind, what you have to understand is this is the baptism he's thinking about. Because baptism was how I clean myself. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I think there's some people in this room that you come every single week and you get dipped and you wonder why you're not different. Because we think that by doing the religious system, by coming to church every week, by doing what we're supposed to do and what society has told you to do in order to get better, to be different, is you just continue to dip yourself or clean yourself or try to wash away your own sin. But just like the water, you can't wash away your own sin. It's external. The problem is beneath the surface, not on it. The problem is that not just the symptom needs to get fixed, but the disease needs to get handled. And that disease is inside of you and inside of me, and it's called sin. And so what God said that he's going to do, what he did was 2 Corinthians 5.21, that he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin so that you and I can become the righteousness of God. So that now when he says, I'm coming to the baptism, don't miss this, that now when we come to this water, we don't come because we need to be clean. We come because we already have been made clean. That that's the gospel. Listen, you and I, there's a sin payment that has to happen because of our sin. And Jesus Christ was the perfect, spotless lamb of God who went to the cross, died in your place, and for your sin as the the sin atonement to buy you back, to redeem you. And by him and him alone, you can be saved. That this water here, y'all, this ain't nothing but like something I bought from TSC. This is what cows and horses drink out of. This is dumb without the spirit. Because this, this is just water. We got it out the hose out there. There's nothing in this that's special unless the spirit of God is present. See, you can't clean yourself enough. I can't clean myself enough. You can't dip yourself so many times that eventually you're just, you're good. It doesn't work that way. What Jesus says is, listen, I am the solution. I am the baptism. I'm coming in and I'm saying, I'm going to do what you can't do for yourself. Pay the sin price for you so that now you don't have to clean yourself up because I'm already making you clean. That's the gospel. So he says, I want you to to baptize me because listen, John, like when you touch me or I touch you, you're not going to be unclean. I'm not going to be unclean because listen, that's not how it works. There's something deeper. There's something beneath it. And so the water doesn't work. If you want transformation to happen, you have to have the solution and the solution is Jesus Christ. And apart from that, you will never experience transformation. You will never go from a cucumber to a spirit-filled, bona fide pickle. And some of y'all are some cucumbers, and God wants to make you a pickle because pickles are better. Come on. But you you can't be transformed by just doing the religious system. It don't work. That's why Jesus came to die on the cross for you. That was the purpose, to buy you back. To clean you so that you didn't have to clean yourself. And see, this is an important moment in history. This Matthew chapter 3. This is an important moment because this is the first time in the New Testament where we see the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all present together at the same time. That when Jesus is baptized, it says the heavens open up. And then this is important, that God spoke a word over him. And then the Spirit descended like a dove and rested on him. 
right? And, and so the water is the place your identity is confirmed. The water is the place you discover who you are and whose you are. See, in this passage, Jesus says something, I mean, God says something right here. He says that this is my son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. This is where the identity is confirmed, in the water. This is the place where God says, let me tell you who you are and whose you are. See, this was the moment before Jesus ever started his ministry. It was before he ever did any miracles. It was before he ever healed anyone. It was before he went to the cross. It was before he rose from the grave. Because I don't know if you realize this yet, but he borrowed the tomb and he folded the cloth to let them know I'm coming back. And so he says, this is my son whom I love and I am pleased with him. Can you imagine if you believe that to be true about you? I don't know if you know this, but the Father is pleased with you before you ever perform for him. He loves you for who you are. Matter of fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor and just tell him, say you were loved, you're a child of God, and he is pleased with you. Say you're loved, you're a child of God, and he is pleased with you. See, the water doesn't work, y'all. The water can't wash away your sin. Right? Like as your, as your grandmother used to sing, and you know it. It's what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. See, you, you know that and you can sing that song because you realize just like I have that I can't wash myself. That nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ can transform your life. Nothing can take you from dead to alive. Nothing else can set you free. So it's in this moment, God speaks a word over his son. And his identity is confirmed. But that's where people stop. That right now we could just start celebrating and going crazy. But do you know what I've seen happen far too often? is that people have been told that once they get baptized, everything will be good. That you won't have to go through nothing. That all your problems will go away. And that don't work because it ain't real. You're going to still go through some stuff. You're going to go through what the Bible calls the wilderness. See, that's God's system. He always takes you from the water to the wilderness, from the water to the wilderness. And I'm going to repeat that until it gets in your head because next time you find yourself today, tomorrow, in the wilderness, you need to remember this is God's process. He takes you from the water to the wilderness. Do you know why? Because it's in the water he speaks a word over you, so it's in the wilderness the word can come out of you. Let me say that again. In the water he speaks over you so that in the wilderness the word he speaks over you can come out of you. And so he takes you from the water to the wilderness, and it's in the wilderness where he is isolated. It's in the wilderness that he meets Satan. I don't know if you know this, but, but the reality is, is you're going to be in here today, and you're praising God, and you're, and you're singing hallelujah, and you're giving him praise. But the reality is, is this is the water, and tomorrow you're going to be in the wilderness. And it's in the wilderness you have an enemy that is watching and waiting and ready to pick you off. Because it's in the wilderness where you find yourself in isolation. It's in the wilderness where you question your identity. I wrote it like this. One moment he's being baptized. 
the next he's in battle. One moment he's in comfort, the next he's in conflict. One moment he's in community, the next he's in isolation. One moment he hears a voice from heaven, and the next he hears a voice from hell. One moment he's in the water, and the next he's in the wilderness. And so what do you do when you're in the wilderness? How do you declare war in the wilderness? The same way Jesus did. When the devil asked him, he says, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. If you want to declare war in the wilderness, write this down. You got to know what you have. You got to know what you have. And what you have is a word from God because it's in the water. It's in the moment you understand that he has cleaned you where you hear his voice from heaven looking down on you and saying, with you, I'm well pleased. You are my son. You are my daughter whom I love. Do you understand that when Jesus walked this earth, he had you in mind in the wilderness, in this moment? He's thinking about you. He's thinking about me. Because if he would have took those stones and turned them into bread, he would have been no different than Adam. And Jesus is the better Adam. Jesus is the Adam that never failed. Jesus is the Adam who never believed for a single moment, for a single second, that there was anything greater than his God, that there was anything greater than his Father. See, the word is your weapon in the wilderness. You got to know what you have and you got to use it. The word God spoke over you in the water is your weapon in the wilderness. That's how you defeat temptation. That's how you fight sin is you got to know what God said to you. You got to be able to study this Bible. You got to study the word and believe that God is for you, not against you. When you're in the wilderness, you got to look back and you got to remember where you come from and where you're at now. And he's not finished with you. That he takes what the enemy meant for evil and he turns it for good. That he promises to give you a hope in a future. He promises to be with you. Why? Because he's in the middle. He doesn't stand on the outside. He doesn't say, dip yourself to be different. Cleanse yourself to get better. He says, no, no, no. I'm coming down and I'm going to come in the middle. So the next time you're in the wilderness, you need to be reminded. When you feel isolated, you have a God that's right there with you. He's with you in your sin. He's with you in your struggle. He's with you in the wilderness. And you got to know what you have. And you have the same spirit. If you are in Christ, you have the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That you have a word from him knowing that you are loved and that you are a child of God. And he is pleased with you. He is pleased with you before you ever perform for him. Number two is you got to know who you are. That you are the child of God. That in this moment, Jesus knew who he was. He didn't have anything to prove. He says, if you are the son of God, if. I said, boy, the scripture you're quoting to me, I breathed into existence. The mountain you're you're standing me on, I made that with a snap. The kingdom you're showing me, that's my kingdom if you didn't realize. You are under my authority. Because here's why. The battle may be fought in the wilderness, but the war is won in the water. That you may be going through some battles, but you got to remember, the war has already been won. The war is won in the water. Who's the water? Jesus Christ. He is the baptism. The war has already been defeated. It's over. And so now, you just got to remember what you have, what he's, been, what he's given to you, and you got to remember who you are. And then number three, got to remember who's in charge. 
Because the enemy wants you to believe that he is. He wants you to believe that he can control you, that your sin can control you. If you have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, you are no longer a slave to sin. You have been forgiven and you have been set free. And you may still sin and you may still struggle, but you've already been made clean so that now, because he who knew no sin became sin so that you might become the righteousness of God, when God looks down on you, instead of seeing your sin, he sees his perfect son who defeated hell, sin, and grave. That it's this transition. It's, it's the substitute. It's the atonement for you and me. And so you got to know who you are and you got to know what you have and you got to remember who's in charge. And then finally, let me just give you this one word. Don't quit. Don't give up. That you got breath in your lungs because God's still got work to do in your life. And I don't know what you're here struggling and what you're here carrying, but don't come in here thinking that in order to get baptized, that you got to be clean. That this is going to cleanse you. Jesus Christ cleanses you. This is just the evidence that you believe he did. This is why we celebrate it because now when, when Layla comes up here in a minute, I can stand as her brother in Christ and she doesn't have to worry about me making her dirty and I don't have to worry about making her making me dirty. Do you know why? Because we have both been made clean by Jesus. And now I get the honor and privilege of baptizing her as a symbol that Jesus Christ died for her sins. And now she wants to let the world know that she is living for him. And so I, I just want to encourage you. Don't believe the lie that you got to dip yourself. That was just the system. That was just to point to Jesus. That was to point and show you that your sin had to be paid for and you needed to be made clean. But Jesus is the baptism. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he's who cleanses you. And so today, we're going to celebrate a public declaration of faith. And I just want to encourage you that if you are a Christian, if you are a believer in Christ and you've given your life to him, don't wait. And I'm not telling you that to scare you. I, I love the way... I, I love the way Eugene Peterson in the message version translate this interaction between Jesus and John. And when John goes, why do I need to baptize you? You know what Eugene Peterson translated to? He just says, just do it. That's how I was going to title it. Like Nike, that's where they got it from. Just do it. Just do it. Why, why wouldn't you? What's the way? I mean, if Jesus has already cleansed you, why would you not tell the world? That's like me being married and refusing to wear a ring. It don't make no sense. Just do it. You, not to get clean, but because you already are. It's like, I just want to encourage somebody who, who is in your chest right now and you're wondering, is he talking to me? I am. I'm talking to you. God is speaking to you and going, listen, you need to go public with your faith, not so that you can be clean, so that you can tell the world you already have. And now you and I can stand together in the wilderness knowing that we don't have to fight this alone, that you're not in isolation, that God is with you and so are we. That's the purpose of this church. We want to walk with you through this life. We get baptized to show you we are family. And that for the rest of your life, there's going to be people who have your back. And you never have to feel alone. And I want you to know, and I want everybody else to know. I want every single person in this room to know under the sound of my voice. That God 
loves you for who you are, not what you do for him. You don't have to clean yourself. Jesus wants to clean you. He wants to take you from death to life, from old to new. That is the baptism. And so right now I want to pray for you. And I want to give you the opportunity to begin a relationship with him. If you never have accepted Jesus and you've been dipping, but you're not different, not Copenhagen dipping, just dipping. If you've been coming to church thinking that's what cleans, cleans you up. If you've been trying to do all of the religious rules, but you find yourself not different, if that's you, I just want to give you the opportunity to say that today I'm done with that. I'm done with the old way. I am, I am surrendering my life to Jesus, believing he's cleansed me. And I want to begin a relationship with him. And so I'm going to pray. And then as I pray, Layla and anybody else that has decided, you know what, I'm going to go public with my faith through baptism. Listen, if you don't have clothes, we have clothes for you. We have a towel, we have some shorts, and we have a shirt. Don't let anything stop you. To let the world know, to let the people in this room know that you are a child of God and that he is pleased with you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for today. I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you that you love us in our sin. God, I thank you for being the atonement. I thank you for being the sacrifice. I thank you that we don't have to wash ourselves, but that you clean us from the inside out. And so God, I pray for the people in this room right now who have dipped themselves over and over and over and they're exhausted and they're tired because the water isn't working. God, I just pray that right now in this moment that they would accept your love and accept your free grace in faith and begin a relationship with you. And if that's you today, give your life to Jesus and you want to accept him as your Lord and as your Savior for the very first time. Right now with, with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, would you just lift your hand and say, today I'm surrendering. Today I'm giving Jesus my life. Well, God, we thank you for the life change that has happened, that is happening right now and that will happen. Lord, we pray that people would feel your love and your grace, that they would never forget it, that they would trust you. So God, as we celebrate the life change, we celebrate baptism, as we go crazy and cheer loud with the angels in heaven over Layla's decision to go public and anyone else who may be coming up. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. If you will, stand with me. Let's celebrate together. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. I hope it encouraged you. We would love the opportunity to pray for you. Send an email to info at renovation.church. And if you would like to partner with us financially and help us reach people with the message of Jesus, you can do so at renovation.church. Have a great day.